Welcome to the second series of News Talk's SSE Ertricity League podcast. This season, we intended to return with a vitality and a whole range of innovative concepts and ideas. However, they were all Richie's and he's not here today, so you'll have to wait for when he comes back. Daniel Kelly is here though. Dan. I am. Richie is still away. He's heartbroken over Bohemian second jersey choice. I think he went for one of the other ones and he's he's just heartbroken. We haven't seen him since that was announced. You excited? You glad to be back? I am glad to be back. Kind of like the first day at school, only not terrible and I'm not afraid of bullies. True, but we were both at the league launch, uh, so we enjoyed that. That was the first day, the chaos that ensued, but it's back and we're back with a bang. Yeah, uh, not afraid of bullies and unlikely to get a wedgie, which Give it is completely unlike my school days. Okay, we have a second series, which means we outlasted this show. This fall. Here she comes. There's a new for adventure on television. Briscoe County Jr. You care to try me? He's all action. You're not an outlaw. No. He's all excitement. And he's about to bust loose into your living room. Welcome to the Wild West Fox style. Now, the series premiere of the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And substitute Briscoe County Jr. with SSE Ertricity League podcast. I have podcast. no idea what that is. You don't remember that? I don't. It was out in or around 93, 94. How okay. old would you have been then? I would have been young. I'll put it like that. I would have been four or five. It's an amazing, amazing show. Starring Bruce Campbell of the Evil Dead series. Okay. Do you know that series? I don't. You know nothing. I know not a thing. That's a good. If Richie was here, he would have been able to tell me all about Bruce Campbell, all about Evil Dead, and he would probably have had a good grasp on Briscoe County Junior. But he's sorry, not here. Sorry, the adventures of Briscoe County Junior. But Richie's not here, so let's move on. Wish he was. Now this week and next week, we're going to preview the season with the managers, uh, like as we did last season. As it goes on, we're going to get reaction and analysis of all the stuff that we deem important enough to talk about. And again, if we don't talk about your club, it's because we don't rate you. You're not important. You are minnows. Basically. There we go. We're, Richie would have said that so much better. We're giving everyone the first two weeks, and then once the first round of fixtures are in, and we see teams losing, they're gone. We're going to hear from almost everyone in the first two weeks. Let's get a taster of what the gaffers have been saying at the league launch with Finn Harps, Ollie Horgan, Drogheda's Pete Mahon, Limerick's Martin Russell, Galway's Shane Keegan, Shamrock Rovers Stephen Bradley, Dundalk Stephen Kenny, Cork City's John Caulfield, and Waterford's Alan Reynolds. Of course, some of these aren't managers; they're head coaches and first team coaches. First, though, it's the FAI Director of Competitions, Fran Gavin on the switch back to a 10-team Premier Division and the fact that three teams get relegated this season. The decision has been made. Uh, everybody's moved on from it um, and we're all looking forward to, to the season kicking off on the 24th. Whether we stay up or not, if we're fighting and right at the end of the season, in the last game of the season, if we still have a chance to win that last game and stay up, we would grab that with open arms. But that itself would be a huge achievement. 10-team league hasn't done us any favours. It's something that's been tried and trusted before. It didn't work out then. I'm hoping that it works out now because the league needs to uh, it needs to get better. I think this year could be a defining year. The Marcus Field was a massive step forward for the club. I think it's good. Like we're back in there now. We believe we've got a squad that can compete and can ultimately take a step forward. And it's, it's taking a step forward for the club in the right direction on and off the field. That's going to make it stronger. The first round of games is all about trying to get away from that relegation zone. If you can get away from that relegation zone over the first round of games and detach yourself from that and take the pressure of that away, then the sky's the limit as to where you could drive on and try and finish. I was read somewhere someone said we were trying to buy the league, you know. I think if you actually looked into it and really thought about it, it's a silly comment, like, you know. We've lost some of our better players, there's no doubt about that. It's a big challenge for us and I think uh, it's a major challenge for us this season to sustain the levels that we've been playing at but not only to sustain it to try and push on and improve The one thing about us in Cork is that while there are higher wages in other clubs there's a lot of pride about playing for Cork City and there's a lot of I suppose status and players can see that amongst the supporters and amongst the city that if they play for the club that they can they're recognised and they're, they're known you know because Cork is such a very sporting place so I think a lot of our players have bought into that you know, people are looking at us and possibly thinking we'll do a Limerick on it. That's not the case. Limerick have kept eight, nine players and the likes of Longford, Shells, UCD, all, all Cove, all good sides in there. So we just want to look after our own and hopefully we can hit the ground running. 
Yes, the season's about to get underway and we're excited here on News Talks SSE Airtricity League podcast. We'll be hearing a lot more from some of those managers throughout this show and then we're back next week with the second part of our season preview. But you heard from Fran Gavin there, the Director of Competitions for the FAI. Obviously, the big talking point with him was how the decision was made to restructure the league and what's going to happen in 2018. We will talk about that uh, in a second. First, I asked him how he's feeling at the start of the 2017 season. If it's anywhere near last year, we'll have a great season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it from two points of view. From Purely from a football fan, I'm looking forward to the competition itself because I think there's a very good uh, squads out there now and I think there's a lot of clubs are looking to challenge Dundalk um, and you can see Dundalk the standards Dave said and Stephen Kenny even said it today he wants to go even better than that you know and that's the challenge for Dundalk but every other club is to is to match and even go ahead of them so it's going to make a really really exciting season we have um, uh, three clubs will be relegated at the end of the season um, to make it a 10 and 10 that's going to mean every single match is going to be have something at stake um, which is really good. It's really it's exciting for us, and I think the supporters will will have a, have a, a great uh, um, a great season for the supporters watching the games themselves. You mentioned three teams going down from the Premier there. Why is that being done, and who made that decision? Well, the clubs uh, consulted. We consulted with the clubs, the Premier Clubs Alliance, which represented the Premier League clubs. Um, and they came to us and said their preferred option was to have a 10-team lead to go from a 12 to a 10. That auto- automatically means you have to have three down um, and you'll have one up and that'll give us 10 and 10 um, for the 2018 season. So the decision has been made. Uh, everybody's moved on from it um, and we're all looking forward to, to the season kicking off on the 24th. Speaking to a couple of the managers, they, they seem unclear on how it was made and who made it. And like, Was there a vote? Was there like a six against four vote? Or... Was there a, a chairman who made a decision among these well, clubs? No, how did it work? But that's how you, you have to ask the clubs themselves yeah. because the, we asked the club, we had consultation with the clubs around yeah. the future of the league, the recommendations in the Conroy report, um, and we said to clubs, you need to come to us with what you want. So the, the yeah. Premier Clubs Association came to us and said, this is what we've decided. How that voting was, I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. how it went through them, but they... Were you not curious to find out how the decision was made? I mean, because ultimately this is, a, this is a big deal for some clubs. Well, if the clubs collectively came together and told us that, that's they, rep- they represent the Premier Clubs, yeah. um, and they that's the decision they made. How they did their internal business, yeah. really, is they came with, that's what they decided. As a group, that's what they decided. Yeah. And I appreciate from your point of view, if that's what they decided, that's what they decided. But as the controllers of the league, are you concerned that reducing it to 10 kind of reduces the product in some ways because you're going to have lots of repeat pairings, you're going to have a smaller league, it's going to affect clubs like like Finn Harps, for example. They're the one who springs to mind as being one of the, the three that could go down and their manager has said that, so they're not kind of hiding behind anything. Is that, Are those concerns for you? No, I mean, the format of the league in 2018 hasn't actually been decided yet. That'll be when discussions with the clubs over the next year. So whether, you know, are you saying, you know, those decisions haven't been made yet, but yeah. I mean... Um, it's not a concern, absolutely not a concern to us. You know, um, it's going to mean you know a very competitive league, a really competitive. Both leagues are going to be uh, st- the, the first division will be strong with the ten teams in it. That'll be extremely competitive, as will the, the uh, Premier Division. So I don't think it's going to dilute anything. I think it's going to enhance yeah. uh, the product on the field, and I think that's what we're. Here. If the product imp- increases, you're going to have. Uh, a lot of very very competitive matches that brings out the best in everybody you know and that's what we want to see it brings more people into the grounds um, and and hopefully that's where we are we'll be in 2018 would you rather know what the format is for 2018 given the, the dramatic change that there will be regards the structure of the leagues no we consult with the clubs on that and we'll see where the format will go mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of options we've had a meeting with them this week we have a meeting with them next week and we've been discussing it and that's something that we've decided uh, in consultation with the clubs to see what we feel is the best format to make sure that the, the, the product itself is improved. And that's what the clubs are interested in. That's what we're interested in. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of options and there's a lot of different leagues around Europe have different uh, setups. I mean, I just looked at a di- report recently on the European leagues um, by UEFA um, and really there's no norm at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's not, there's, there's lots of different ways um, yeah. leagues leagues are set up. But uh, And then with a 10-team league, uh, We'll discuss with all the clubs and see see what is best for the league, and I think that's that's important, and it's a, it's it's a it's a good way to do business. Who has the ultimate say in this? I mean, they come to you and tell you what they want to do, but can you tell them no? 
Well, I think we, we, we haven't got to that stage, so it's a case of us but if you did. sitting down. Well, it's a hypothetical question, really. Mm. You know, it's not it's not there at the moment. Uh, if anything like that comes, we'll make decisions at the time. Yeah, but, yeah. but but it's not hypothetical because someone surely has the final say on the league structure. Yeah, well, we're the governing body yeah. of the league. We have a participation agreement with each club, um, and that's that's a contract with everybody. You know, so I mean, but but what we try is work with the clubs and work work with our representatives mm. to see. Um, what the format should be, you know, and and it, those meetings are very productive. They're very yeah. positive, but they're done in a in a, an environment of partnership, uh, you know, and cooperation. It's not adversarial or anything like that. It's not, yeah. you know, um, and and the clubs we know um, that the clubs want most clubs want what's best for themselves in some cases, and that's just the nature of the business we're in because they're all competing against each other. But the clubs now are taking an overall view of things and saying, okay, in the long term. Where do we want the lead to go and what do we want to do? And that's good. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, and those, at the moment, those talks are going very, very well with them. Well, Dan, I think Fran Gavin cleared it all up. We now know how the decision was made, who voted for what, if there was a vote, and exactly how it will work in 2018. No, wait a minute. We know none of those things. Clear as mud. Great start It's ridiculous. It is absolutely it's, ridiculous. Yeah. And I have a lot of time for Fran Gavin as a person. But fans deserve more than that. They deserve an explanation. And I guess there are certain things that administrators can't put out in the public of domain. That, that's yes. how it works. I get that the FAI actually do an awful lot of good stuff. And we pillory them for the bad stuff they do. But no one ever talks about the good st- yeah. stuff they do. And there is some of it. We don't even see some of that. But that's not good enough for me. I think no, no, people no, like, and clubs deserve an explanation. We have these clubs coming out with the famous five grand uh, strategic plans. You cannot strategize for something if you don't know what's going to be there. Yeah. Even if some of the teams aren't happy with the situation, we know what the we know what the structure is for the forthcoming season. We know the relegation as fair or unfair as it may be. The fact that we don't know what's happening in the 2018 season is an absolute joke. Yeah. And Pete Matten, we're going to hear from him a little bit later on. He talks about this, the fact that they were already planning for this season before this move was announced yes. so then they had to change their plans Ollie Horgan we heard a short clip from him there we'll hear more from him a little bit later on he has basically said if we're still fighting till the last day of the They'll season that's well. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, we'll also hear by the way a lot more from John Caulfield of Cork City Waterford's Alan Reynolds and Shamrock Rovers Stephen Bradley uh, we will hear from other managers next week by the way and as always if we didn't talk about your team they're just minnows this week yeah we don't care about your team uh, let's still get the views of one of the most interesting managers in the league of course last year Kenny Shields in Derry stood out for some of the comments he made and I suppose most importantly his team's performances where did they finish in the end they finished in third place no, great not... research there Oshin. great research yeah that was so last year look yeah. Dan you know I only look ahead not behind anyway um Interesting piece. You started by asking him if his team adapted the way he thought they would and how surprised he was or otherwise. Uh, and by the way, listen out till the end of this interview and see if you can guess who he's having a go at. Well, we believe in what we do and you have to believe in your players and, you know, you're always trying to get better. We've got massive uh, disadvantages compared with other clubs in terms of, you could name a dozen things and... It's really difficult because there's a full-time league right beside us. Sorry, there's a part-time league right beside us and players in their mid-twenties, we can't get them, we can't sign them because they've got two wages and we can only provide one, which isn't really uh, conducive if if you're 26 and you have a mortgage and you have a house, sorry, you have children growing up and I have to say that it's very difficult for... uh, you know, these are challenges that we we look at them to try and help us get better. How big will the difference be moving on from the Brandywell last season to now moving in uh, just across the border in McGinn Park? It's it's a new ground, it won't be as, as accessible for fans, smaller population. Will that mm. be a disadvantage to you? Yeah, it might be, it might be, but we don't look at that. We, we look at how we can make it a challenge. We don't try to create negativity because... Um, if you look at it from the negative perspective it becomes negative we look at it as a challenge and then it becomes a challenge and we we are right up for that Just finally, I know it's a, you have the added aspect now of European football this year I know that's way down the line but is it is it a question of trying to match last season's uh, league positions or trying to match the points what's the aim for the season? Oh, it's, we, We've lost we've lost players to Cork yeah. and Dundalk 
who everybody's talking about in there and we've lost player to Bohemians and they're all mid-twenties older players and we've replaced them with kids so you know and we'll lose players at the end of this season to those teams as well so we're trying to create uh, a culture in a way a squad that's most of them now are under 23 most of our players in fact most of them are under 21 but it makes it it means that they're liable for compensation what we don't want is this to happen again at the end of this season where they're coming and taking our best players and that leaves us shallow but you know it's again that's the challenge that we have to try and compete against that have you had a challenge like this before in your career when you feel you oh just yeah. have to rebuild all through every my career all through my career but that's what's building is you know and there's clubs and it wasn't mentioned in there clubs purchase the league we want to grow a team that can win the league eventually so during that growth it's going to fluctuate and it's going to be highs and lows but eventually we, we it's my challenge to get there through growth not through purchase this is news talks sse air twisty league podcast you just heard there from kenny shields and ushin you may have heard some jangling in the background that was kenny trying to get away from me did not, he get away? Not the first person. He did eventually. Uh, I got him directly after the speeches at the league launch. You can hear his car keys. And when I asked him if he was okay to talk for a moment, uh, he said he was, but he had to get back to Derry as soon as possible. They had a friendly against Institute. So I nodded him for uh, not as much as I would have loved to, but Kenny Shields' box office, even there in that quick two or three minutes speaking to him, yeah, he, he did have a lot to say. <laughs> he really did. Now, I get what he's saying. Oh, some clubs are trying to buy the league. He is taking the pressure off his team by doing that. Yes. But at the same time, that's ridiculous. If he had money as a manager, of course he'd spend it. Would yes. he care what other clubs thought? No, he wouldn't. And He seems to be a very principled man. I will say, if he has an idea to go for a season, I know there was times last year where there was plenty of reports that when Paddy McCourt returned from... Uh, Luton that Derry were in prime position to sign him and in the end they didn't because yeah. reportedly Kenny said he, he promised the young players at the start of the season he he believed in them and he was going to go with yeah. them throughout the season Like he does seem to be a man that has a, has a method and he will stick by it whatever happens yeah he has that pig-headedness needed and I mean that by the way in a complimentary yes, sense very much so and, and, and there's so many positive things about him but to accuse others of buying the league I just think that's a bit needless and immature to be honest it is but one thing that it's we'll have to watch out for with Derry this year currently the Branywell is a building site they're going to be playing in Bunkrana they're going to struggle there I was at a, a League Cup game in Bunkrana a few years yeah. ago it's a very small ground it's a very tight ground to be honest I'm surprised uh, pleasantly surprised that Derry have been given a, a Premier Division licence for the stadium it's very small not the best of facilities and it'll be interesting to see how they cope in the coming season. It could be an advantage rather than a disadvantage though because it will be their home and you said it to him is it an advantage or disadvantage? He kind of didn't commit to either. He's not sure. Like He doesn't know. Uh, No one knows what to expect from the ground of Bunkrana. It'll be interesting to see how they cope if they have a poor start. They could be on the back foot for the rest of the season. Uh, what, What can we say about Bunkrana? We just don't know at the moment. Well, I can't say anything about it because I've never been there. Right, let's stay with uh, Donegal. Ollie Horgan is the uh, Finn Harps manager. They did extremely well to stay up last season. They did really well the season before to get up in the first place. But this whole three-team relegation, let's face it, they're probably going to go this season. And Ollie Horgan, their manager... Has admitted as much. Yeah, like he knows how tough it's going to be. And that's something I spoke to him about um, at the league launch. Listen, we know where we're going into. Um, it'll, it'll be certainly a battle. It was a battle if it was one team going down, with three teams going down. It's it's triple that battle. But, you know, it's probably... It's it's more difficult than last year, obviously. It's probably even more difficult. You know, we, we found it difficult to get promoted. And we went up by the skin of our teeth. We found it more difficult to stay up last year. And it'll be, obviously, more difficult again, if that, if that is possible, to try and stay in the division. But, uh, yeah, obviously, we we're looking at it. We're looking forward to it. The sooner we get started, the better. Because, yeah. you know, the off-season isn't isn't a great place for managers or, or, or for coaches. It's a matter of getting up and running. The sooner it starts, probably, see what happens, the better. Yeah. How did you feel when it was unveiled that three teams were going to go down? Did you think to yourself, after all the work we've done, the legs have been swept out from under us? Like, what are they doing? They're making it impossible for clubs like Harps? Or, or how did you feel? 
I don't understand the reasonings for it. Maybe I'll find out today. Like as I said before, there I have been involved in underage committees up in Abbotstown. I've seen Martin Russell there, who's involved in a lot of lads from different walks of life. And you know, any decision we made, we thrashed it out, the pros and the cons. Uh, you know, I'm taking off my thin hands out here. I, I I don't know the reasonings for it. If if you know, maybe I'll find out today. Yeah. But uh, you know, they tried it before, it didn't work. Um, now they're doing it again. Now listen, maybe there are reasons out there, but I don't know them. As a fan, I can't understand either. Maybe I'm biased because I'm not a fan of this whole 10-team Premier Division and I don't think it works, but has it had an effect on the lads? Is it something you talked about? Has it kind of cast a shadow over the club before the season even begins? Well, look, come here. I think it was announced on the whatever date it was in, before Christmas there, the 22nd yeah. or 21st of December. That's two months ago. I think we've moved on. Look, if one team went down, Oshin, we were prime candidates for it. To a certain degree, it might take the pressure off, but we know we're in a battle. If one team went down, we were in a battle. If it was two, we're in a battle. Obviously, with three, we're in a huge battle, but at least we're expecting it. Maybe some bigger clubs than Finn Herbs will end up in that battle that mightn't expect it. And just before I let you go, what would be a good 2017 for Ollie Horgan and Finn Harps? Uh, Finn Harps is all I'll answer for because that's all you know that, that, that that's that's a, a bother here. I I think realistically, if we can stay in the battle right till the end, yeah. whatever way it goes, then I think would be a success. Uh, if we fall away early, obviously that's you know what what we fear uh, and what we don't want to happen. But as I said, realistically, if we whether we stay up or not, if we're fighting and right at the end of the season in the last game of the season, if we still have a chance to win that last game and stay up, we would grab that with open arms. But that itself would be a huge achievement, Dushing. This is News Talk's SSE Airtricity League podcast and that was Ollie Horgan, the Finn Harps manager, speaking to me at the uh, SSE Airtricity League launch. You can hear it with Ollie there, can't yeah. you? He knows it's going to be difficult. He's a realist. Yeah. He knows that they did very well to stay in the Premier Division last year. They did far better than many people would have thought. Money would have put them down for, if not automatic relegation candidates, that they'd be in the playoffs. They did far better than that. Three teams, a quarter of the division being relegated. He knows he's in for a tough battle. The clubs who pushed this change through. Yes. Because Fran Gavin has put it all on the clubs. Yes. They need to hang their heads in shame because they're effectively relegating Finn Harps. And two other... Well, uh, yes. Like Finn Harps, look... We I would be shocked if Finn Harps are able to stay up. Yes. They, they haven't and been able to really bolster their squad. Them. It's just exactly. it's it's, real. Yeah, because if they went out and spent the money that they needed to spend on their squad, yeah. they'd probably get into even deeper trouble because they just yeah. don't have that resource. Of the teams that are in the Premier Division last year, yeah. they're the worst team left looking at last year's league structure. Limerick will be probably better than them. We're expecting yeah. Limerick to do very well this year. Has any we don't cl- know about Drogheda yet. Has any club actually said, we voted for this, we pushed this through publicly? No, there's been reports of certain teams, but to the best yeah. of my knowledge, no club has come out and said we were in favour of this. I was seething the day that this was announced. And it's a pity that Fran Gavin couldn't tell us exactly how it worked and who voted for us. Because we, we as fans deserve transparency. Now, I do get why clubs would go for it, because they have to look after themselves. And that's fair enough. That's football. That's business. But if, they must have known when they voted this through to reduce the league that they were effectively... Should I say... I think I'd like to, should I say they were effectively killing off some clubs no I think that's harsh no that's harsh uh, okay that's a bit ridiculous but yeah. they were certainly damaging we've seen clubs. we've seen plenty of clubs thrive in the first division Cabin Tilly were doing a fine job Cove Ramblers last year yeah. when they were pushing for the when they were pushing in the playoffs were getting big crowds in St. Coleman's Park yeah. to say you're killing off a team I think is harsh but you're certainly yeah. you're certainly making life far more difficult for teams yeah I, I, I'm, I'm still angry about this whole yeah. restructure and especially the lack of transparency. One thing I will say with Finn Harps, they may struggle on the pitch this year, but they will be the nicest dressed team in the Premier Division, in my opinion. They have by far and away... lovely jersey, don't they? They have by far and away the best kit in the Premier Division this year. So congrats to Finn Harps on that. Look, who knows? We're writing off Finn Harps. I'm saying it now. I think they'll be relegated. I kind of hope I'm wrong because mm. I, I really like Ali Horgan. I really like the club. I really love their fans. Yeah. They're one of those clubs that they, they remained a presence even when they were really low and in the first division and they have a good history like, they really do yeah. they're a club there with history they may, it may not be one of the yeah. finest histories in League of Ireland football but there is a good community club there they've done very well in FAI Cups in recent years there is the history there they have there, there's a culture yeah. in Ballybuffet and you really do want it to be a League of Ireland not yes. just a League of major urban centres yes correct because like, numbers wise Galway, Limerick and Cork should be okay yeah like this year 
there's a fine representation on the west coast starting yeah. from Derry you go down to Finn Sligo Herbs, well, you go to Sligo Rovers you go to yeah. Goa you go to Limerick you go the whole way down to Cork yeah. even over to Cove there's a fine list of clubs there yeah. then you move in towards your Athlones and your Longfords and then it's just the eastern the eastern coast line is basically then filled with teams from Dundalk the whole way down yeah. Dundalk, which isn't more northerly I always forget is it Dundalk or Drogheda Drogheda is more northerly. No, Dundalk is. Is Dundalk more Yeah, well, by a distance as well. I, loud you get to Drogheda first, then Dundalk, loud geog- then Newry. Loud geography is not my strongest point, but from Dundalk the whole way down to Waterford. Many, many things aren't your strong points. Yeah, look, I appreciate that they can argue there's still a spread of clubs, but it's going to be hard for Finn Harps if they go down yes. to the first division. It's going to be hard for anyone. Like Drogheda, they might struggle as yeah. well. Well, I think that's fair to say. They came up via the playoffs. Yeah. They will struggle. Okay, and we're going to hear from Pete Mahan uh, a little bit later on. Is that this week or next week? I keep forgetting. It's uh, next week we're going to hear from Pete Mahan. Anyway, let's go to Stephen Bradley. He is the Shamrock Rovers head coach. Yes, he is. Yeah, and there's a lot of expectation on them this year, given they've the way they've recruited. Inter- they've had a very interesting offseason. They've recruited very strongly. Yeah, and I don't think they've done anything wrong. Like People are saying, oh, Rovers are going out getting all these players. But like they're a big club. They can... Um, I don't know what they're paying these guys. Like I, yes. I don't think they're paying them over the odds. I don't think they're paying them crazy money. But they're a club who they're paying very competitively. That's the way. Compared to other clubs, they've got a good turnover. They've got a strong base. They've got a good stadium. They've got, I don't know, would we say thousands of season ticket holders? But they, they, yeah. they, they do have a strong season ticket holding uh, membership and some fine sponsorship money coming in. Exactly. So they are living within the resources, and it's not like they've, like. Okay, look, Stephen Bradley actually explains this quite well in yes. the piece that we do. I, I started by asking the new Hoops head coach, though, uh, why he took the job. It's a big job, it's a big club. That's what I've wanted, that's what one I wouldn't have taken otherwise. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting going. Can we? Was it always your ambition to be a gaffer, to be a boss, to be a manager? Yeah, uh, I said it's, it's my ambition from very young that I wanted to be a young manager. Uh, I feel there's benefits to it because obviously you can. You can relate to a lot of situations you're only tired. There's obviously negatives as well, your experience and but well, I can't change that, you know. I just have to give my head down and work hard and, and see where it takes me. It's something you obviously really want because you had to make some big decisions before you could actually take the job. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely there was a lot of big decisions to make. Um well like I said, for me it came out the one thing, do you want to manage the biggest club in Ireland? And it was a no brainer for me, yeah. Talk to me about taking on that role because it comes with pressure doesn't it you know it yourself you don't need to be told Shamrock Rovers fans regardless of where the club are regardless of where they finished last season and it was not bad at all they expect trophies they expect silverware they expect to be on top they expect to be the biggest in Ireland yeah I know there's pressure but if you prepare right and do your business right and prepare your teams right and work hard enough uh, games look after themselves results look after themselves and we'll end up where we end up you know so there's no point worrying about or getting caught up in it I understand the fans want to win, and uh, and so do I, and so does the team. But we we have uh, two very good teams that are quite a distance ahead of us at the moment, you know. So we're gonna have to be patient and try and catch them as quick as possible. But it's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take us time to catch them too. You've done your best regards to the squad. It's a pretty decent panel you've put together. Yeah, it's a good panel. Uh, I think it's a great mixture. If you think, if you look around. I think people have thought, thought we've had a stupid budget, a crazy budget. I think if you actually look at it. And, really break it down There's, we have a 17 year old 18, 16, 19, 19 I could keep going we have young players dotted all around the squad like you know so it caters you to, to allow you to sign your other players like you know I like the squad I like the blend we have I like the mix we have and I, I feel we're definitely going in the right direction That's a good point you make about the young players because a lot of them got game time last season it's the ideal situation they're not being talked about it's the signings maybe that you've made that are being talked about but you have these young lads who are hungry and they're experienced and they want to get back out there and at it again yeah, I, I read somewhere someone said we're trying to buy the league, you know. I think if you actually looked into it and really thought about it, it's a silly comment, like, you know. We yeah. have Trevor Clark, who's our, probably going to be the left best left-back in the country. He's 18 years of age. We have Aaron Bulger, 16, centre midfielder. You have uh, Shane Haney, who's 18, right-back. You have Mikey Connor, 18, up front. Sean Boyd, 18. James Dean, a midfielder, 18. Dean Dillon, 17. Like, you know, yeah. there's 10 there, like, you know, that you could... And they're all lads that are ready to play. They're not lads that have played last year and yeah. are ready to play this year. Now, if you surround them with the right quality and the right characters, they'll shine, like, you know, yeah. even more. And I believe we've done that, like, you know. So if, I think if you really looked at our squad and really broke it down, there's a reason why you've been able to sign these people that everyone's talking about, like. When you're talking about young players, do you have to work as much on their mentality and their, their mindset 
as you as you do skills because the skills kind of come because they just they play football and that comes but when guys are on the pitch and they're under pressure and they make a mistake the fans get on top of them we saw it last year even though again you finished I think it was third in the end fans got on top and there was a bit of negativity around Tala do you have to teach guys how to deal with that? No look they, they need to learn that themselves you can you can talk to them as much as you want they need to, they're the ones yeah. that cross the white line I feel that's where all the players come in it has to come from yeah. in the dressing room it has to come from your teammate on the pitch looking at you and, and talking to you and saying, look, calm down, you'll get through this. It's five minutes of madness, relax. And that happens. It happened to me as a young player. It happens to these. Well, it's important. You have to write all the players around them to, to show them how to get through and, and uh, drag them through with them. And I, I honestly believe we have that. And when you say you need older players to, to get these guys through, have you found that you've, you've seen some of the older guys, some of the more experienced guys doing that? Because you can talk to them all you want. Ultimately, you're the manager. They, they kind of need players to do it for them as well, don't they? Yeah, look, I, I believe it has to come from Ryan. It has to come from the group. Yeah. Uh, it has to be from the ground up. It can't be from me down because I'll, I'll explain to them and, and try and prepare them best I can. At the end of the day, they're the ones that cross the white line with their with their mate, the one beside them. Mm. So they're the ones that have to drag them through it. Um, have you seen some of the older guys already take that kind of yeah, role up? Yeah, 100%. Themselves? I've seen it from maybe the first week in pre-season. Uh, the older guys we've brought in have been better characters than what I thought they were. I knew they were okay. Like, well, yeah. uh, you're not too sure until you have them in the building and you see them up close and see them working. And I really believe the characters we've brought in will, will only take these young boys on. Yeah, uh, so much like you know. Stephen McPhail is working as a, as the director of football at the club. How does the relationship work between you and Stephen day to day? I meet Stephen probably more more than I see my wife at the moment. You know, <laughs> I'm with Stephen all the time. Yeah. We're on the phone all the time. We're in the office every morning at eight o'clock. We don't leave till ten that night. You know, we we're sick yeah. of seeing each other, but it's brilliant because anything I want done, I I just say to Stephen, I give him my reasons why I want it done, whether it's players, whether it's a training camp, no matter what it yeah. is. And Stephen will go and speak to the board. He'll speak to whoever needs to be spoke to, and he'll come back to me and say, "Look, we can do this. We can't do this. This is the reasons why." Yeah. And even signing players, he's. Uh, I've said to Stephen, "This is a list. This who I think will enhance us." And uh, Stephen goes and does it. It's been excellent. Yeah. Is it a kind of a, a joint management, or are you the manager and you work with him? as a liaison with the board but you actually make the call on who you want what you want done and how it gets done yeah you can't have a joint manager that's silly in my yeah. opinion doesn't work I don't know when it's ever worked I remember Liverpool did it years ago doesn't work like you know um, Stephen's role is is what it is he's sporting director he looks after everything sporting and, and uh, everything affecting us we speak on everything and like I said Stephen goes and, and gets it done yeah. um, it's, the, it's the link between Stephen and, the, and me and the board which is yeah. unbelievable it, I don't have to sit in a board meetings for four hours every week or yeah. Stephen looks after all that and then comes back to me and says here's what you came out of this, this important points for us as a football side of things and uh, no he's, he's been unbelievable for me Stephen yeah. but no there's no uh, general manager is not that silly it sounds like he's your logistics man of sorts does he talk to you about tactics do you talk about tactics together or is he part of the actual coaching setup yeah I talk to him all the time about tactics how we're playing and not because I have to because it'd be foolish not to he's played at such a high level I have Steve McPhail Damien Duff around me Glenn Crown around me I have very experienced people who've played at a really high level in the game Um, and for me if you didn't ask their opinion on certain situations or on tactics or You'd be you'd be very foolish, like you know. So I do that every day. Every day I ask all of them what you think it is, what you think of training, what you think of this team are going to play, uh, and I, I I love doing that. That never change. Yeah. From the outside, there was some confusion last season as to what was happening with management, but it seems very clear you're the manager, and that's that. And you seek help from these lads, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but you're the boss. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I, last year there was confusion because. Obviously, the club were interviewing other managers, and, and yeah. I was going back to my academy role. I think that's where the confusion came in. Yeah. Now it's crystal clear, there's no issues at all. Yeah. I will always seek advice from them. That won't change. And like I said, today you get to the point where you, you think, all right, I don't need to ask Stephen this or Damien this or Glenn this. Well, then for me, you're going to fail. Like, you know, I think you have to open yourself up to this, whether it's negative or positive. You have to open yourself up to it, and I, I have done that, and will continue to do that because it'll only benefit me in the long run. How does the academy benefit you? I imagine a lot of those young lads came through yeah. that academy, and it's beginning to bear fruit now. I mean, it might have taken a few years, but it was always going to. You don't just start an academy and bang, all of a sudden you've got five, six guys in your first team. Well, I think the question earlier answers answers that, like yeah. in terms of the players we have in the first team. Like I said, I heard people talking about silly budgets and we're trying to buy the league. If you really look at our squad. Mm. 
there's a lot of young boys in there, like you know, and them go, them young boys being good enough to play in your first team, in key areas of the pitch allows you to go and sign other players, like you know. Yeah. So it's that's how it benefits the first team. Yeah. Uh, like I said, instead of going out and paying uh, silly money for a for a lad who's maybe at the end of the end of his road, you have a 18 year old who can come in and play in that position. Yeah. And he's ready to go, like you know. So that's the benefits. And just before I let you go, I'm asking every manager today, what's your ambition for 2017? I guess if I ask a Rovers fan, they'll say the league and nothing but the league. But but what do you say as the manager? Now we've got to be realistic, like you know, Dundalk finished 20 something points ahead of us last year. To suggest we can make that up in one season would be would be foolish, you know. Um, it's a lot of points we'd have to make up, and they'd have to drop for us to catch them. That's that'd be silly. But what we have got to do is we've got to close the gap. We can't finish 24, 22 points behind them again. Yeah. We've got to show our club, our fans, that we're making progress. And I believe if we do that and we play the right kind of football, the fans will stay with us because I've played there and I know they will. This is News Talks SSE Artricity League podcast, and that was Stephen Bradley, the Shamrock Rovers coach. A man who's very adamant that. Shamrock Rovers are not trying to buy the league well he said it himself there so yes. we can talk about it he said it. it on numerous occasions yeah he said basically he saw it written somewhere that Rovers were trying to buy the league and he didn't mean Sligo yes. uh, we're going to hear from Dave Robertson next week by the way and um, I might have said we're hearing from Pete Mahan next week as well we're actually hearing from him after John Caulfield which is coming next but um, smooth, yes, a smooth. lot of pressure on Stephen Bradley yes, this year yes there is uh, basically in the, la- in the last few seasons Shamrock Rovers have gone with the youth policy they've now seemed to switch their uh, switch their modus operandi back to trying to get success as quick as possible. I don't he's, think that's fair. He's brought in a lot of players. No, I don't think he's brought in a lot of players, but he's matching them up with a lot of young players who've got first team experience yeah. already. And people haven't talked about them. People are only talking about the players they've brought in. But they haven't actually talked about the players that are already there. True. But Bradley, I think, and he'll admit this himself, he's in for a tough season. First full season mm. as in a top job, he is with Shamrock Rovers, whose fans will want success. They'll want it quickly. They haven't won the league in a few years, which for them, with the resources they have, yeah. I think they'll even admit themselves has been a disappointment, especially after all that Europa League money that. But since Michael O'Neill left, they haven't won a, they haven't they won by their time. standards have had nothing but disappointment. Correct. They've been successful in League Cups, yeah. uh, Satanta Cups. Uh, but the league and the FAI Cup have eluded them in recent years. So yep. the fans will want Bradley to start off quickly and uh, hopefully for them have a successful season. It's a tough one because they set the high watermark a couple of years ago yes. for League of Ireland teams in Europe. And Dundalk have overtaken it since. They have, but Rovers themselves haven't matched that. They haven't got Correct. back in. Yeah, and you tend, you have ha- to match what you've already done if yes. you want to keep your fans happy. And that was always going to be really tough. That Europa League season, basically since Michael O'Neill has left, they haven't matched those yep. previous heights and that for them has been a disappointment. But this season they have a as good a chance as any uh, yeah let's talk to John Fo- Caulfield of Cork City um, I start by asking him how important it was to keep all the players that he wanted to keep I think they pretty much kept uh, most of the, yeah. the guys McGuire who stood was out the massive, yeah. was the massive signing yeah well they kept most of the guys they wanted to uh, for this season and uh, of course they are the FA Cup champions but FAI what did I say you said the FA Cup alright Oshin. what the, the magic yeah. of the FAI Cup okay anyway they have the cup <laughs> they want the league I've been speaking to John Caulfield it's the worst part of our league that you know it's you know our league and financially a lot of clubs can't pay 52 weeks very few do and it's very very difficult thankfully we have guys on two year contracts a lot of them so we retain the bulk of probably 12 of them from last season which de- definitely helped but at the same time um, you know as a league we certainly need to get to a stage where everyone can pay 52 week contracts otherwise we will always have fellas r- r- leaving and moving to different places and, and it's understandable for players because they have to get their best deal for themselves And but thankfully the, the one thing about us in Cork is that while while there are higher wages in other clubs you know there, there's a lot of pride about playing for Cork City and there's a lot of um, I suppose status and players can see that amongst the supporters and amongst the city that if they play for the club that they can they're recognised and they're they're known you know because Cork is such a very sporting place so I think a lot of our players have bought into that and certainly you know you look at the likes of you know the Maguires and the Kevin O'Connors and these lads who had options to go elsewhere at the end of the season they decide to stay in and plus the fact winning you know hopefully will give us the boost to drive on this year that um, that there's more silverware for us and uh, ultimately that's the challenge ahead of us and that's what we're looking forward to and um, certainly I, I'm hoping that we're going to be better than we were last year and if we're better we're going to be there or thereabouts so um, that that's the way we look at it really. How important was that cup win in that regard of keeping players because I suppose guys needed to get their hands on silverware you'd come so close and I guess not winning it you might have worried that the confidence would drain 
and then you combine combine that with everything you just mentioned of playing with Cork City and I lived in Cork myself and everyone knows I'm a City fan I never hide that it's a big deal you know you feel like you're at an event when you're at a City game you know yeah. you've I've talked to guys in the past they feel like they're part of something special when they play for Cork City whether things are going good or bad on the pitch yeah yeah, and that's a good point and I suppose the thing about it is that you know because Cork follows all its sports you know it's that type of place that whatever team has been successful whether it's, whether it's hurling football soccer the crowd follow it yeah. and uh, you know you come into our grounds and our average crowd is three and a half thousand we've had full houses last year of seven thousand against Dundalk and games in Europe against Sean Grover. so you know it's a fantastic place to play but there is added pressure because you have to deliver and uh, you know I, I suppose in, in when you look at the silverware winning the cup did it help of course it did because when the players came back and they got the reception the night after the cup final in the city and you know walking around the streets the weeks afterwards that everyone knew who they were the coverage they got in the, through the media going around to the schools it was phenomenal so it was really the equivalent of winning in all Ireland in, in most counties so you know from that point of view you know it, there's no doubt that that certainly had a bearing on players you know, you know and, and uh, you know at the end of the day players that are happy and players that win trophies and uh, certainly will stay with you longer than, than, than players that don't and uh, certainly all that definitely helps and uh, from our point of view I think maybe in the bigger picture that group of players the fact that, that all that group stayed was a bit like saying come on lads we can we can get more of this and there's more out there for us and hopefully for me it's just steering the lads in the right direction and saying yeah look there's more of that to come if we can perform and if you have the hunger and and ultimately it's really about our attitude and hunger and if, if we can maintain that for this year then we're going to be very close and that's the aim for us you know sometimes it's good if your team or your players have a bit of a chip on the shoulder I think sometimes it's a motivator it's a driver when Mark McNulty's video was released via social media and he was saying basically, look, we didn't get the credit we deserve. And I understand what he was saying. From your point of view, you probably weren't crazy about it being out there. But but did that suggest to you that these guys do have a chip on the shoulder and they, they have a drive and they want more? I mean... Yeah, yeah, look, there's no doubt. And <laughs> ask your question about, about Mark McNulty. I didn't see it till a few yeah. days after. But to be fair, you know, it was the excitement and there were the high of the night after and the crowds around the city yeah. and you know so you know sometimes I take those with a pinch of salt because um, guys are very emotional after events or, or stuff like that but you know there's no doubt there's huge hunger in our squad there's no doubt there's huge determination and you know if you look in the last couple of years you know when you look at Dundalk they've been phenomenal but we've been very close to them and uh, you know we've just fallen short whereas last year was the first year probably of the three that we were so close to them. our league performance showed that we beat them two out of three unfortunately we lost the league decided with five games to go but then we won the cup yeah. so it showed we were much closer but there is huge hunger in the team and there's huge I suppose desire and uh, and passion so you know all those things I've never questioned and I can see with the group of guys that it's there they just have to make sure that week in week out they can deliver that because it's going to be very very tight because there's other teams in the mix this year the Dark Rovers Bray Derry who will all be in the mix and it's just important that you week in week out and you don't get carried ahead of yourself because if you assume that you're going to take points off someone yeah. before you go on the pitch there are the days you lose your points and, and you must make, prepare every week that you're playing at Dundalk every week or Shamrock Groves every week and your level of your performance has to be at that level otherwise you're going to drop points and um, from our point of view it's dropping points against some of the lower teams that cost us last year What do you think that was? It's very hard it's, you, you've been in Cork you know or uh, showing the coverage we get is phenomenal you're in the papers every day you're in the radio stations every day and it's typical you know as I keep saying Dundalk come to town we'll have 7,000 yeah. another another team comes to town that, that might, might might be perceived as not being fashionable and we'll end up with 3,000 even though you could be in the same position in the league so it's you know and a lot of stuff your know, people presume games are easy there's no easy games yeah. as I keep saying in this league you earn the right no matter who you play yeah. every game is a dog is it fight. about breaking defences down because I, one game in my mind sticks out from last year and that was against Wexford Hughes when you drew yeah. nil all at Turner's Cross no matter what you did you just couldn't quite break them down yeah. is that something that you yeah. really looked at in the off season well it's, it's absolutely and we look at it all the time we looked at it last year it's a simple situation that we do know teams come to Cork and they're going to play most people behind the ball and they're going to try and sit in and keep the crowd quiet and, and try and frustrate you so yeah it's certainly a thing that we know is going to happen this year and we've 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 worked to, to try and counteract that so yeah, we're, we're well aware that that's going to be a, a something that we're going to have to deal with this year and you're absolutely right there are games that we need to win News Talks SSE or Tricity Lee Podcast I'm Oisín Langan you can get me on at Oisín Langan and you can get me Daniel Kelly at Ismisha Daniel on Twitter
So that's John Caulfield. Yes, John yeah. Caulfield. Uh, Cork have the potential to be the biggest club in the country. They really do. They're in the big, second biggest city. And I know you're looking at me weirdly here. What I say they are this. the biggest club in the country. Okay, they have the potential. They're define biggest club in the country. Stupid question. Okay. Dundalk at the minute are the most successful team in the country. Yes. Cork are a very close second. With the facilities in Cork and in uh, Turners Cross and in Bishopstown, they're what the league is looking for in your quote-unquote community club. We, we were down in Cork last year at a few European games. When the crowd yeah. gets behind them, when the city gets behind them, they're a very, very strong outfit. If this season had to have a strong start... They could be averaging four or five thousand throughout the season. I know Caulfield said there on a good night they may get seven or eight. On a poor night they'll get as high as three and a half. Yeah. If they get this constant five or six coming in week on week, they'll do very well. We know Porky Cueva is opening up this summer. A lot of people will be interested again in Cork, GEA and Hurling later in the year. A strong start for Cork City will give them the momentum to to ride through the summer when yeah. the championship season starts See, off I'm not goal. sure that's really relevant in Cork because I think you have enough of a population that you'll have a strong interest in Cork City regardless of what's going on with hurling and football. But you'll, ha- you'll also have a lot of fans that will go to both. It's, it's, uh, pr- it's a situation that happens all over yep. the country. Like we, I was at, last season I was at a Galway United Sligo Rovers game in Galway. It was the day after Connacht won the Pro 12. Mm-hmm. There was more Sligo Rovers fans in Eamon DC Park than there was Galway United fans everyone, was that at the everyone, time though that Galway's season, season had faded away because remember last year they were going okay yeah, and I was were. listening to Galway Bay FM and there was all sorts of talk well, of a European push Tommy Dunn was, was still in charge yeah. this wasn't before things fully went downhill for them other sports and it's the same in, it's the same in any country in any city other sports will affect attendances in certain games and if Cork get a good start they may be able to keep that momentum going throughout the season well, you mentioned Tommy Dunn there. I thought he would have been a perfect fit for Waterford FC, but they yes. do have a very good management team. Uh, they're probably the story of the first division. By the way, to finish I off the big the club thing. The league. Yeah, to finish off the big club thing, by the way, I know that's very unsmooth what they've just done there. Radio 101 from Machine Learning. Look, look at Newcastle's crowds. Yes. Are they a big club? Uh, they're they're a well-attended club. club, but they're not a big club. I think they're a big club. No, uh, the big club thing to me is always a nonsense. It's It's the successful club that's what I'd rather be okay. than a big club anyway Newcastle are a well attended club but to me they're not a big club so anyway I was only Newcastle throwing fans. in the Cork City are the biggest club in Ireland thing just to, to really kind of wind you up Okay, you didn't take the bait to be I fair didn't. I wonder if Rovers fans did Shamrock Rovers fans <laughs> they're tweeting in their masses as we speak yeah they're probably yeah <laughs> and we welcome all comments um, anyway Waterford United Waterford yes. FC sorry they're not Waterford United anymore Um Tommy Dunn, to me, seemed like the perfect fit for that club, given what he did with Cork City, given what he did with Galway. But they appointed Alan Reynolds as their first team coach. He's obviously a well-known figure locally uh, in football and in soccer. Uh, In football, he won two Junior All-Irelands with Waterford. Did you know that? I did not. But he's definitely won one. I don't know if he was there for the second one or the first one, but he definitely has won. Very good Gaelic footballer as well. And Pat Fenlon is the director of football. So you can't argue with uh, the team that Lee Power, the new owner, has put together there. Um, I've been speaking to Reynolds um, there's obviously pressure on them to get up given the resources they have and some of the talent that they have in their squad um, but I first asked Alan Reynolds how he is settling in and how his relationship works with Director of Football Pat Fenlon yeah yeah looking forward to just working under pass um, it's a total new group of players and a new club as you know so um, it's all positive the public of Waterford are getting behind us um, generating a lot of interest so it's exciting times but you know, it's going to take time to, to blend because there's so many new players in. There's two from last year that have stayed. So, look, we're getting there. We're bringing players in and, and looking to improve all the time. Same as any of the rest of the teams. But, you know, we're not, you know, people are looking at us and possibly thinking we'll do a Limerick on it. That's not the case. Limerick have kept eight, nine players. And the likes of Longford, Shell, as you see, all, all Cove, all good sides in there. So, we just want to look after our own and uh, hopefully we can hit the ground running. How does the relationship between yourself and Pat work? I mean, are you the manager? Do you pick the team? Does he consult? How, how does it work? I can tell by the look on your face, this is a question you're probably sick of being asked at this stage. Uh, Pat, Pat is the boss. Um, I'm running the football side of the club and I work under Pat. So between the two of us, we'd hope we'd get, we'd get uh, some kind of team on the pitch that'll do well. But like, we're working close together and it's been great for me with Pat's experience, whether it be over in Scotland or in Ireland. Like, it's great for myself. You know, 
can't go wrong. So is it effectively a kind of a, a joint management when it comes to the first team? Well, look, Pat is on, on charge of the football side of the club, the whole club from top to bottom. So I'm working under Pat. Okay. Now, as you've already mentioned, there is pressure on you, isn't there? Because people expect you to, to, to go up and there's only one spot this year, so it's going to be tough. But as you've mentioned, you're trying to put a team together. It's not easy. No, no, look, uh, you know... I suppose when people look at Limerick and repeat myself here that they ran away with it but they kept the bones of their squad 9-10 players from the year before we're not at that level yet you know it's going to take us time to settle in and blend it's how quick we do will depend on how well we do in the league like I'm looking at some of the other clubs and, and it'll be very competitive I think it'll be very close this year um, so we've done alright pre-season but I think you know the first game of the season will be 100 mile an hour and just need to hit the ground running Kenneth McAvoy that's a big signing that's a signature signing and I know that managers don't often like to point out individuals but it does send a message doesn't it yeah well look Kenny was you know floating around I suppose looking to get a club to play for um, for the last while so Kenny needs to fall in love with the game again and get his confidence back which we're working on he's a lovely lad great at trains really hard um, model professional all that kind of stuff so if we can get his confidence going I think he could be a threat he does seem to love the job at the moment he's tweeting regularly about how much he's loving life back in Waterford about how much he's looking forward to friendly games so that seems to be working whatever you're doing with his confidence yeah well look he's back around his family as well and he has his wife and, and uh, the kid over now at the minute so uh, off the field he's got to be happy in himself I said this to him from the start he's got to be happy in his surroundings and then come in and enjoy football now I didn't know about the tweet inside of things so I'm glad to hear it that you know he seems to be enjoying himself but it showed in pre-season where he's done reasonably well Um and all boards well for going forward is the tough part of rebuilding the confidence of a guy like that trying to get them used to their new surroundings because he's been on the bench for Spurs I think he played a bit of first team for Spurs he played with uh, was it Exeter he's played, you know, he's played in England yeah. the big things were expected he's been on the big contracts etc so is it tough to get him used to playing in the RSC and used to playing away to Longford and kind of the, if I can put it this way in non-glamorous stadiums and events yeah, I, I suppose so. Now I've, I've you know, spoke to him about this and being over in the UK, he said he more or less was in his bedroom for, for four years, he said playing PlayStation or playing whatever. So he was saying it's not all cracked up, all that, you know, yeah. everyone is making out that it's so good and, and that would be ideal if he was playing for Spurs first team. But look, um, we just want to rebuild him, um, rebuild everything about him. As I said, the confidence is key. He's a wide player and we're giving him the license to go and get at people. But I can't emphasise enough that it's away from football. He needs to be happy for me to get the best out of him. And Patrick McLean is a big signing as well. Patrick McLean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done really well and settled in and wants to be a player. Works hard, you know, trains well, looks after himself and we're delighted with him. There was a bit of footage going around of him putting in a hard tackle on Shawnee McGuire. Is that kind of something you have to talk to him about, his, his techniques? He, he's wholehearted and that's good. That's something you want from a player, but you don't want them doing silly things. No, definitely. We don't, we don't accept that from the players. But to be fair, I think, you know, there was a lot made of it. You know, it, it wasn't as bad. I think that was on Saturday. I think Shawnee trained on a Monday. So yeah. there might have been a bit of overreaction um, on that end of it. But look, we definitely don't want that... It was it was a looked like a tackle that was rusty and mistimed rather than nasty to me, um, but thankfully Shawnee was grand. And just before I let you go, because they're about to start here, how good is it that the people of Waterford want this to succeed? They're delighted Lee's involved, they're delighted Pat's involved, they're glad to see you, yeah. and they see fresh hope, they see a new beginning. Well, that's great because it's um, a new project and it's all boats well. This is News Talks SSE or Tricity Lee podcast. That's Waterford's first team coach Alan Reynolds. I, I mentioned Kenneth McAvoy there. I mentioned Patrick McLean. Those are two standout players for the Blues this season potentially anyway yeah. but there was one guy I didn't mention Dan. Sander, Sander Puri uh, former Sligo Rovers midfielder Estonian international he was with Sligo Rovers two seasons ago he was one of the standout players moved away from Ireland last season but he's back with Waterford this year he's basically far too good for the first division Waterford have found themselves an absolute gem of a player I know you mean that as a compliment but it just comes across as really disrespectful oh it, yeah you know that he's just if no he, I know what you mean I'm, if he was in the Premier Division he'd be I'm, one of the better players I'm yanking your chain you are yanking my it's chain it's like when one of Joey Endo's former teammates came up to me once and said he's far too good for this league and this and was, was one of his teammates yeah. he absolutely was and what I, is this man I, doing here I got exactly what he meant yeah. um, Drahada, speaking of comebacks yes um, back in the Premier Division yeah yeah back in the Premier Division uh, but I guess they're one of the teams who you'd worry about given that three go down I've been speaking to their manager Pete Mahan and I forget what my first question was so you're just going to have to gather it yourself can't wait for the season to begin I think it's going to be a good season and um, it's going to be a very very uh, interesting one in the sense that I think it's um, 
going to be a dogfight both at the top of the table and at the, at the bottom. Um, there's a lot of teams now that have kind of evenly matched, I think. And, um, you know, white people at the top might be looking at Dundalk and Cork. I have a sneaking feeling about Derry. But they, they, I think they can win the league this year. Uh, as regards ourselves, 10-team league hasn't done us any favours. It's something that's been tried and trusted before. It didn't work out then. I'm hoping that it works out now because the league needs to uh, it needs to it needs to get better. Uh, I think this year could be a defining year. It needs to get bigger as well. So it's a hard one to understand why they would want to reduce it, and it's going to hit the likes of Finn Harps and maybe even yourselves. It's going to hit us for sure. That's, there's no question about that because um, you know I I entered into an agreement with Drogheda United. Uh, chairman before this 10-team league came about I signed a two new, uh, new two-year contract which I'm happy I did um, but my budget um, while it was an improvement on last year and I was happy with it then this 10-team team this 10-team league came out of the blue and uh, I don't know what way I don't know who voted for it but it's, it's in now uh, it didn't do us any favours but I'm sure there's three or four more clubs who say the same thing, that they're going to be down there scrapping and fighting to try and stay in the league. So that's that's what's going to happen, I think. How much did it change your plans for the season? Because as you say, in, in relative terms, something this big that could affect clubs this much, it actually happened quite late, and you would have already been planning for the next season when it was announced. That's true. So, you know, we had heard kind of rumours about it, but from people I was speaking to, there didn't seem to be anybody in favour of it. Yeah. Or if there was, they weren't telling the truth. So uh, it came as a shock and a disappointment to me that they that they, that they they went back to this 10-team league because they had tried it before and it didn't work. So I don't know, what's, don't know what the planning is, the thinking is behind it because familiarity is not good, I don't think. No, teams could end up playing against each other seven times maybe between league and cup competitions and all that kind of stuff so does it change how you play this season the whole 10 team thing does it change you from being a footballing side to a no team no. that parks the bus how no. does it work no we're going to attack yeah. we're going to be positive we're going to attack we're going to try and score you know we have to improve our goal scoring record from last year it was very very disappointing even though it was enough to get us over the line at the end uh, we've added quality in those forward positions and I expect us to do well I expect us to score certainly score more goals we're going to we have more attacking players now with more options and that's what we're going to do how big a signing is Stephen Elliott? Not just on the pitch, but off it as well, maybe, with his uh, experience. Absolutely brilliant signing for us. He's a great lad. He's The first time I met him, I knew I wanted to sign him. He's been absolutely flying in training, um, as have all the lads. I can't, you know, pre-season training couldn't have gone any better. So uh, he's going to be a great addition, both on and off the pitch to us. He seems to be a really nice guy as well, the kind of guy you want in your squad. Exactly, and he's a, he has a presence about him. He's in, he's in pristine condition, yeah. uh, physically. Uh, he's think he appears to me to be enjoying it football again and uh, he'd be a big influence in the dressing room as well you've been around the league for a long long time where is it at in your opinion in a footballing standard sense in, in, in every sense I appreciate it's a broad question but is it one that you can give me an answer to I think the, the standard generally has improved I'd like to see it probably marketed a bit more yeah. uh, that would certainly raise the profile again we don't I'd like to see fixtures maybe not being switched around and you know I know you have the European competitions which kind of upsets things a little bit but I'd like the people to know when the games are on where they're on who's yeah. playing so therefore the marketing the marketing will help a big big time in that score and just before I let you go what would be a good 2017 for you and Drogheda? to win the league or not be relegated You'll have a good old tussle at the local rivalry yeah. with Dundalk. That's one to look we, forward to. Well, that's it? one we can't wait for. We were supposed to play them in the Gem Malone Cup there, but that kind of fell a bit away. So, so we have that day pencilled in. Uh, and uh, as I said, it'll, it'll be like old times again. Oriel Park will be rocking for that Pete, match of hope. A wise old League of Ireland head there, Pete Mahan, the manager of Drogheda. Hard to know exactly where they're at this season. Yeah, one person looking Actually, it's hard to know where anyone is at because we haven't we played haven't any games yet. Yeah. But one person looking forward to seeing is Stephen Elliott. Obviously, he came back into the league last year with Shelburne. It'll be interesting to see how he does in the Premier Division and Pete Mahon seems very excited by what Elliott could bring to the squad. Okay, well, that's it almost for this week, but... Now, stay tuned for scenes from next week's Briscoe County Junior. And this by Briscoe County Junior, I mean the SSE or Tracy Lee podcast this here on News Talk. This is becoming a thing. 
Richie's not here let's have some fun you know the way he always clamps down on our fun anyway next week we've got Limerick's Martin Russell Sligo's Dave Robertson uh, Bray's Harry Kenny Pat Devlin of Cabot Teeley and Shane Keegan of Galway we'll also talk a bit about St. Pat's and Bohemians because yes. those are clubs that we didn't feature this week yeah, and obviously because Richie's not here no one cares about Bulls in this podcast anymore that's true he was the one remaining link to Bohemians yes uh, as always you can get him on Twitter via uh, Ismisha Daniel and you can get me on at Oshin Langan next week as I say we'll be building up to the season as it gets underway the first matches are played next Friday night obviously we've got the President's Cup this Friday without the president sadly he is in Cuba but he did host Stephen Kenny and uh, Stephen O'Donnell and John Caulfield and Stephen Beatty at yes. Arsene on during the week which I thought was a classy touch it was surely uh, it's the first president's cup without the president so viva el presidente so it's just the cup it's the cup they're playing for the cup okay that's on Turner's Cross this Friday night this podcast stays relevant by the way until the season kicks off this podcast is always relevant always relevant uh, we're back next week with more of a pre-season preview from Daniel Kelly and myself Oshin Langan it's goodbye